Take the guesswork out of your cannabis shopping with ECS DNA Kit by Endo Canna Health. I did this years ago and it continues to empower me to get nerdy with my cannabis choices, which you know I like. If you've watched our Cannabis Legalization News podcast, did you know that right now you can save 25% off your DNA test at endodna.com? That's E-N-D-O-D-N-A.com and use promo code POD25. That is P-O-D, the number two, the number five. Your purchase includes the EndoDNA Collection Kit. Endo decoded report, personalized cannabinoid and terpene suggestion, endo aligned product matching in your state, suggested dosage guidelines, and optimum methods of administration. Once you know your personal ECS data, you can shop endo supplements tailored specifically for you. And right now, Endo DNA is celebrating their new patent with a BOGO offer on their Afeka soft gels lineup. Since so many of you struggle with sleep, I want to highlight Afeka Unwind created to support healthy sleep cycles using a patented proprietary formula of hemp-derived CBD, terpenes, and essential oils. If sleep is eluding you, sweet dreams are made of this. So buy one, get one, my friend. You can shop online at endodna.com. And don't forget promo code POD25 at checkout to save 25% on your DNA test kit. What's up, everyone? It is 2 p.m. on a Wednesday afternoon, which means you're tuning in to Cannabis Legalization News, where we explain marijuana laws so you can change them. Today, we're joined by Elginio Garcia from Cannabis Now. I know we usually bring in guests after the news summary, but today, we I mean, he writes the news, so why not bring him on with the news summary? Hey, Elginio, Tom, and Miggy. Hey. How y'all doing? Good. Thanks for joining us, Elginio, uh, Eugenio, right? Thanks for having me. Hey, Eugenio. Oh, Eugenio. Yeah. Um, I was talking to him but previously. That's kind of like my name as well. Eugene is my middle name. Uh, and now I finally learned on my Cannabis Legalization News uh, podcast how to say my name. And is that Spanish? It is. Yep. My father was from Cancun, Mexico, and my mother from Long Island, New York. Oh, wow. Well, thanks for joining us on our Thanksgiving episode. I mean, it's been a very long year, and uh, you know, I am thankful for at least one thing. We have passed eight thousand subscribers here on the channel, so you know, thank you guys so much. You know, give us those likes and continue to subscribe for all the nuance of cannabis legalization and the operations that you get in the uh, in the show. Now, uh, Eugenio. Um, I'm going to keep butchering that name until I get it. I tell you, I haven't, I haven't needed to speak Spanish since 2003. Um, where do you, uh, what's Cannabis Now? So Cannabis Now is a magazine media company as well as a retail company. We started with a publication back in 2009 that was actually a Rocky Mountain Medical Journal. So we um, realized way back uh, in 2009 that there was a disparity in the media space where there was not a strong uh, voice for the elevated future mainstream cannabis enthusiast. There was um, some great grow magazines like uh, Weed World and Skunk Magazine. And then there were some great alternative magazines like High Times. But with the emerging medical market, we thought that there was going to be a growing um, community of people that were more interested in politics and social economic issues and in, in medical uh, awareness. And so we started Cannabis Now magazine, which is nationally distributed in thousands of newsstands across the country, as well as dispensaries and also in Canada. We also publish Hemp Magazine, which is the nation's only 100% hemp-focused publication. 
Mm. We only talk about the hemp varietal of the cannabis plant and try to keep the conversation focused on food, fiber, biotech. We do talk a lot about CBD right now because it's trending. Um, however, those are the two magazines that I spend most of my time focused on. Thanks for having me. Hey, yeah, totally. Thanks for having me. I know you were shocked that I, I came across your magazine years ago. So like being that you're from Montana, because like I was traveling back and forth during the 2011 raids. I don't know if you remember that time frame when medical was, yeah, huge yeah. time in Montana, right? Like I remember billboards, uh, say come for delivery. Uh, just, it seemed like. Reefer Madness was almost over for a second in Montana. Well, what's what's interesting is that one of our biggest subscriber bases is Texas. And then our second is Chicago and then California. But going to like the Texas thing, you know, there's there's not a great opportunity for cannabis in Texas. It's up and coming. But when you flip to a a similar type of agricultural, uh, we'll call it Western kind of vibe in Montana, the per capita Back in 2000, we had a medical program in 2004 in Montana. And as the good part of Reefer Madness took over, the green rush now now is the more modern expression. Uh, there was. There was a billboard on every corner. There was a dispensary yeah. on every corner. There was little regulation, little oversight. And, and one of the largest reasons why we actually became a national magazine so quickly, which was not our intent. Our intent was to be a Rocky Mountain medical journal. And oh. Montana and Colorado really was supportive of, of that type of expression. And then Montana was the only state that went backwards with its laws. Oh. So when it started, the providers could have unlimited amount of patients. And then the laws changed, only allowing them to have three patients per provider, which was not sustainable. 99% of all of our advertisers went out of business, and we ended up uh, moving the offices to Berkeley, California, and going national after just our our second publication. Was that me? Did I get out of that by accident? I saw that indica you were smoking in the last interview. Maybe I uh, just thought there was some going on. Oh, I think Lauren froze about podcasts, and then uh, uh, no, I don't know. Whatever. Yeah, it could be the indica that I smoked. I mean, it was a whole gram, and it was infused. Uh, uh, but you, so yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, you guys are national now. But uh, uh, yeah, I hate when glitches happen. And you're just like, where we're trying to talk go. But like Bozeman, Montana, at the time. So the culture, I remember. So you're, funny little story because I, I used to be a traveling technician. I would come in and support various businesses uh, because of checks and balances. Because that's what I do. Uh, on my way to Wyoming, I picked up a guy who was hitchhiking, and he turns out he was uh, uh, like the uh, sous chef in Big Sky. The, the resorts there? Yeah, the ski resort. Yes. And and so I dropped them off. And, dude, it was like dirty dancing but with weed. Like there were so many people like around me smoking weed. and There is some very, very good cannabis being grown in Montana. And specifically there's a strain that, that my co-founder, Chris Fanuzzi, who runs a uh, dispensary called Lionheart Caregiving here in Montana. I believe it's the largest provider in Montana. I believe he has eight locations. He has a flagship strain called the Montana Silvertip. It's oh, nice. indica dominant. Um, amazing, amazing genetics have come out of Montana. And, and what, what's interesting is back in the day, the genetics from California really were the ones that, that created the foundation in Mon- yeah. Montana cultivation. But then the cultivators, you know, what do you do in the wintertime uh, when all you have is your indoor grow? You tinker. You play yeah. around with what's going on. And there are some strong, beautiful strains in Montana. 
and not just growers, dude, but like even your your I mean the culture overall. I met a glass blower, uh, Mike Conrad. Uh, Conrad Glass, baby. Dude, oh my god, see small world. Of course, he was uh, he was in our uh, second issue, one of our first advertisers. He hasn't advertised yeah. anymore. Now he's just pretty much an artist, but. Yeah, and that's well. I met him through a, a mutual friend. Uh, sh she took me to go hang out with him, and we were hanging out at his uh, glass studio. He was showing me uh, that was my first experience with like glass and like how hard it is to manipulate and whatnot, and then how hot it is too. Yeah. So respect respect all the glass blowers out there. <laughs> yeah, smart form. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, like, just Montana's huge with the culture. Period. You guys have a huge cannabis base. I mean, despite you know, people we, we live in this uh, uh, left right thinking all the time, or, or this fear of uh, uh, the middle, like a middle America or the South. You know, and I think the internet has brought us all to almost an equal conversation. Where at least with weed, you know, if we're gonna have an argument and debate, I can be like, look, there was a patent held by the government. Like, where do you want to go with this conversation that the government's right in this situation and it should be illegal still? I was just talking with Montel Williams yesterday uh, on his podcast, and he was talking about the, the irony that the, the government is really the one that's holding on to, to the, the, you know, the patents on, on this medical, medicinal, amazing plant and how ironic that is and how little is known about, about the history of the plant. Or even the fact that there were at one time a total of eight medical federal patients, federal, and, you know, still what, two living or three? Two. Yeah. That's and Irv was from Montana. Yeah. Yeah. They didn't get great weed. That's for sure. <laughs> no, but I think that's kind of, it helps break that barrier stigma perception that it is medicine. You know, like here's this conflicting. It's a schedule one. The DE tells us every fucking year that it has no medical benefits, but yet, these states keep like dominoes or like, Hey, this is an option. You know, the states are coming along and with this recent election, well, we had South Dakota, New Jersey, Arizona, Montana, Mississippi, which was really surprising. Um, have forward legalization, medical or, or adult use laws, but we still have, I believe 14 or 15 states that if you, if you have cannabis on you, you're, you're going to be in trouble in one shape or form. And the fact that it's still, you know, it's 2020, we had eight years of a pro-cannabis administration or as pro as it's been in many years. And then we had four years of a Trump presidency, which was mainly hands off. Um, I'm, I'm surprised that it actually hasn't gone faster. Um, but I, I think I'm optimistic for the future, but I am surprised that we're still at a place where we can't, businesses have to start whole new production facilities in different states just to create brand recognition across the nation. Yeah. You drive through the wrong state and you've got a pipe. I was driving from Montana to uh, Los Angeles recently and you couldn't, I couldn't bring cannabis on, with me on the drive because if I got pulled over in Utah, I mean, Utah is now coming, but uh, yeah. Idaho, if you get pulled over in Idaho, uh, it's going to be a problem. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, that's my plan. So we were pre-recording for Thanksgiving and then I'll, my, I will be in probably Montana or South Dakota, but I'm gonna go pick my son up in Minnesota. And uh, I plan to drive really fast through Idaho because I will have weed on me. In cannabis legalization news from last, last week. And then uh, Henyo knows the uh, CBD scene. Europe decided to legalize CBD. Uh, well, it's in, what's really interesting about that news is that I was in Barcelona last year and we were filming for a Cannabis Now uh, documentary that we're filming. So we spent, we went to a CBD award show 
uh, in Barcelona. And then we spent three days uh, in the city going to cannabis clubs and talking to different people about the culture, et cetera. And we walked into a number of CBD stores that were legitimate. They were legitimate CBD stores where the, um, the, the quality standard was high. They put a lot of care into where their product came from, but they were incredibly shy about talking on camera. We had multiple uh, stores that wouldn't talk on the record. Um, and they, they were still very, although it was socially accepted, if you put yourself out there, it was a problem this time last year. And also with the cannabis clubs, with the THC clubs, um, ones like Choco and, and HQ and Strain Hunters, if you have a membership, great. But getting a camera in there and talking on the record was very challenging. And then the other side of that is there's little stores. There's a store there in Barcelona called Amsterdam. And it's it's completely on the main strip. There's five of them in Barcelona, and I think there's 30 around Europe. And they claim to sell CBD. But when you walk in there, there is no high-quality CBD going on. It's hemp oil, tchotchke, uh, bologna products with weed T-shirts and hats. And they are killing it. They're, they're selling thousands and thousands of dollars a day of completely um, you know, non-effective uh, products to tourists on the premise that they're, they're going to help them. And it, it's a really interesting dynamic where the people who are pushing great products have to still live in the shadows. And the ones who are pre pressing complete junk are the ones with the big neon lights. Did you make it to Oklahoma before uh, they did medical? No. So Oklahoma, uh, I went out to Oklahoma for uh, uh, Seattle Hemp Fest. They created the Oklahoma Hemp Fest out there right when they, right before medical was about to happen, actually. And the whole premise behind Seattle Hemp Fest is the protestable, right? You smoke pot peacefully. That's your protest. Now, how the police or whoever interacts with you, you know, I'm always going to be civil and deal with that situation how it comes. But so we all smoked and we're hanging out at Oklahoma. And uh, um, I, when I drove around to check out the city, CBD stores were everywhere, like 7-Elevens. And I don't think, probably not the highest quality CBD, right? Like, this is America, right? If I can get well, $2 it. I mean, like, it, it, the, the quality of CBD in America is at least as high as it's going to be anywhere else in the world because we actually have the industry here. And so, like, the, the price of CBD really got killed. I mean, and now that this thing's that's gone legal in Europe... I could see the price going back up a bit, but then they were spinning CBD into D8 to make it more, um, you know, more lucrative to sell. Hmm. But yeah, man, it's uh, it's there's a lot of hemp around here. But I think with CBD, though, quality and just like in cannabis, quality is always going to be the deciding factor in your market. At least should be, opposed to like uh, 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 you know, you're talking about uh, uh, that one store successfully being just good marketing and selling shit fucking product. It's yeah. It's literally called Amsterdam. It's got two big pot leaves right next to it. That's so sad. And that's probably why people fucking go there. Tourists. So sad. You know, you know it, it is sad, but be, being the uh, optimist that I am, what I enjoy about seeing that kind of thing is to say, okay, we have, we've at least broken through the barrier of perception. right? And if they can exist in that kind of two big pot leaves neon light, Cannabis Now store can go right next to them oh. and blow them out of the water with quality products. Now, you know, they, at least we're through that door. Ten years ago, you could not open an Amsterdam store with two pot leaves without having, like, some problems with any kind of government. And, I, and I'm thankful for that. I think we're all thankful for that. And, and in Illinois, I'm also thankful for Home Grow. 
So do they have a home grow over in Amsterdam? Can you actually grow your own or uh, do they kind of still frown on that? I think it's what? still frowned upon. Hmm. Yeah. What I, are you I don't, what are you smoking there, Tom? Uh, this is a, an auto flower that's modeled off of um, uh, OG Kush. And so it's it's an auto flower that's trying to have flavor and, and chemical profiles as an OG Kush cultivar. It's pretty good. Yeah. Well, I think I, so. Now that Montana has legalized for adult use, um, I believe now we can grow three plants uh, per individual or per home. Nice. nice. And I think we did a we just did a report on that. So you know, give us that you know, that subscribe for cannabis legalization news. You'll get more on the the whole schmear of what was in the Montana bill, or it's not a bill; it's a ballot initiative that passed. Montana is actually really cool because they have like the most laddered uh, scale that I've seen for cultivation to really allow that license to grow, grow organically, so they could start small and, in theory, grow big. Well, and there was a lot of controversy for many years and crescendoing towards this this uh, initiative passing. A lot of the medical providers um, were not were not for adult use because of more competition, more regulation. I mean, it, it, we've been getting regulation over the years since it, since medical program was first um, first approved. But now now you don't have to just go to one provider per card. If you're a medical patient, you now have choice, and you can. I believe it's a good thing with the competition. Yeah, I believe that the open market is the way to go because then you have to compete and win with quality, with customer service, with branding, with price, with marketing. I don't like how in Illinois when it started, uh, you were mar married to a particular dispensary. So first off, you have a monopoly to that dispensary. And then there's only 11 cultivation providers really in the state. And they're still the only operators out there. And then not anybody can get a license. And so like, it's just this oligopoly, this tight, uh, they call it a limited market. Ooh, so exclusive. But then it basically guarantees that you'll be able to be profitable provided that you can actually grow the plant. Right. And it also, it also allows for a greater, um, a greater ac uh, accessibility to the market. If, if you, if you yeah. don't have to go get a medical card, and then go be and go to the intimacy of having one provider. If you can shop around or you can just drive down the street and be like, oh, maybe I should pop in there. Impulse is a huge part of commerce. The impulse nature mm -hmm. of human beings. Oh, yeah. Be like, oh. I want it now. If you're driving down the street and I'm sitting there with a family member who's never who hasn't had cannabis since the 70s, but maybe they got some aches and pain or some stress or some sleep, I can drive now down the street and be like, Hey mom, hey dad, hey you know, hey cousin, you want to just pop into the store real quick? We don't have to buy anything. We can just check it out. <laughs> yeah. That right. ability, I think, is is where every state needs to go. We we really got to get to the place where I don't I don't think we have to have a dispensary on every single corner like a liquor store. I mean, I think we should be allowed to do that. But I think at least we should be um, a nation where we can have stores where we can easily walk into without fear of, a, of red tape or of, of being affected by the laws. You know, with uh, Montana's policy in uh, uh, statures or whatever, however you want to refer to the regulation, uh, the medical, of course, medical starts in all the states, you know, yeah. except for South Dakota. And there's you know, a lower it's... tax. There's going to be a lower tax on medical. But it's not just a tax, but it's more like, a, okay, we know this helps with pain or whatever. We, we're all okay with drugs helping with pain or whatever. But the thing is, like, your guys' medical market in the early times, in, in the beginning, 
2004. But you've actually guys had someone die for it. You know what I mean? Richard Floor was in, trying to do all the right things, abide by the state rules because now it's being marketed and legal. And him and his partner served time. He died. His his partner served, I think, ten years. Yeah, uh, right. I have I have multiple friends and colleagues who have gone to jail in Montana because of the the, the grayness of the of the industry. I was on site in 2011 when the DEA busted a major uh, a major dispensary here in Bozeman, Montana. I got the call that they were there. I went up there with my truck. I filmed the whole thing. It's on YouTube. If you Google Cannabis Now YouTube, it says like DEA bust. And I remember it was crazy because I was filming the bust. And I was like, hey, what are you guys doing? This is a legal dispensary. And um, they're like, who are you? Where are you from? And I said, I'm from, uh, I'm from CNM, the African <laughs> magazine, right? I don't want, I don't want to put, I, and then. And then I came back, like uh, I left and I came back about 20 minutes later. The DEA agent almost arrested me because he said, hey, you lied to me. You said you were from CNN. I said, oh, no, shit. I didn't say CNN. I, Clean the ears out. Yeah. yeah. He, he's like, he's like, we, he, he looked up my license plate and then looked up my name and then found out my association with Cannabis Now. So they, they, mm. they were, it was complete illegal seizure. They put the owner in jail for, for they, they gave him 10 years or something aggressive. Wow. Like that. He ended up getting out much earlier, but it completely affected his life in, in a very traumatic way. Very sad to see across the that, country. Is that the gentleman that, um, and I, I, I think I remember uh, that. Uh, the, the, name of part, the, the name of the dispensary was Montana Buds. Okay. But there was a, a gentleman that was part of the church, uh, the TAC Ministries. Um, uh, Christ. Um, Jason, yeah. Christ. Jason Christ, he, he would drive a bus around the state of Montana and sign up thousands of medical patients in, in a matter of days. And he, he was a bit of an eccentric for sure, oh, yeah. but he having a bus signing people up, he's, he's coming off as a bit eccentric, <laughs> you know, it, it does appear if we are live at two, I mean, that's, it's pretty much 20 minutes in. So you know what that means? Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. This is how we get around uh, on air consumption. Here's what's sad, though. Here's what's sad. We don't have to block this. <laughs> Our society is so mixed up. So is that a, is, Tom, is that a thing with YouTube? You can't you can't consume on air? Is that is that why? That, is why That's why Dopa's YOLO probably got shut down. Yeah. They believe it's like encouragement or, uh oh, Tommy, I'm mute. There you are. You're on mute by the uh, program. I do that too all the there. time. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it unplugged my my mic and then that auto muted me. Yep, I do the same shit. <laughs> but yeah, it, uh, what was the question again? You know? No, I was just I was just saying. Um, you know that there, there are. Jason Christ was an eccentric who would oh, sign yeah. up people across Montana. But you know what? It, it takes people who are eccentric or who are over the top dedicated right. to get things done. You're either gonna, you either have to be an activist and have a big, big group behind you, or or unlimited energy, or you have to have a, like very, very strong resources. Um, and that's one of the questions that I've been wondering. I mean, there's questions like there's companies like Cureleaf, Columbia Care, Scott's Miracle Grow, and Hawthorne. There's some very, very large companies out there that have 
have given a lot of resources towards the political change that has happened across the country. And my question is, is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? What's that going to affect the smaller uh, cultivators and providers? I mean, legalization and adult use, it doesn't just operate in a, in a, a vacuum. How, is it, how are the laws going to actually end up? Because going back to like the patents of the federal government, 10 mm -hmm. years from now, are we going to have a utopia where everyone's got a cannabis grow in their backyard and we can find it at Whole Foods Market and we can, yes, we can have the, we can have the, the medical grade, pharmaceutical grade that you can go and get a prescription for. But guess what? You can also just harvest your, your backyard plant and make your own tinctures. Or are we going to have a situation where um, all the dispensaries will be co-owned by the government? And it will all be tracked and traced. I mean, where is it going to go with this plant? Honestly, oh, I think it's going to be like a pack of cigarettes or like some alcohol. And so, like, yeah, it's going to be tracked. It's going to be traced. They're going to get their their tax dollars on it, but that's about it. I mean, that's why they do the track and trace so much. It's like no diversion of product, no diversion of tax revenue. But technically, everything is tracked and traced, right? Like even broccoli. If I were to sell a hundred pounds of broccoli. Here you go. I mean, if you, you wanted it to, like if you're trying to run like super data on it so that you could determine yeah. what is the most effective, sure, you would want anything tracked. And that's like a blockchain kind of deal. I mean, like you see that everywhere now. It's like, oh, we're going to have so much data on this and our transfers are going to be so crystal clear. Then they use the word granularity and data visualization. Uh, and so you could really apply it to wherever, but it's just mandated in cannabis. Why? So that they know that you're not selling it in a street corner and they can collect their cut. Yeah, and I, I think you guys are absolutely right. But what I'm optimistic about in looking at the recent election was in Oregon, right? The decriminalization of all drugs. Yes. You know, that that's the, the global model. And Europe is way ahead of us on that. And I think that that should be and will be the U.S. model. There's going to be a certain threshold. If you got an ounce of, of cannabis or less or you got X, Y, Z of, of, of other drugs, it's going to turn into a, a treatment option or a minor, minor fine for not having the proper, uh, you know, commerce. Paperwork. Yeah, but I mean, like if they can yeah. brand them a felon, if they could make them a felon, why the hell didn't you just order them to rehab first? What the fuck is wrong with us, society? You know, you're just going to you're immediately going to just put this person into a felony, even though they may have an addiction disorder. What do you do? Yeah. To, but to answer Yano's your, your 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 fear about the corporate dollar and if it's actually better, I I think it is, man, because rich people don't want to go to jail, and so if rich people fight for laws that mean that hey, cannabis possession, cannabis, you know, if they fight for those rules, because the markets can always be at the market, right? Quality should prevail. We all believe that, but yet yeah, good branding, you know, just. Throw Spud McKenzie at you, and here you go. I'll smoke yeah. that. Well, too. think about that. That uh, the brilliance of Spud's McKenzie, because if you do the light beer challenge, where you just uh, get, you know, a blindfold and, and the various light beers, I don't think I could tell them apart if you gave me like five different tries. Uh, and so, if you just come at him with a party dog, it's like, well, it's the same damn beer, but this one comes with the party dog. That's really the only differentiation that they had was that ability to do that brand concept in your head. Uh, and if cannabis eventually becomes that, you know, you can't tell what it is. Eh, well, that, well, I mean, that, that's a great question. I mean, do it, do, where, do, where do we, where are consumers going to end up? Are they going to want um, brands that maybe are more like Old Pal? Are you guys familiar with that brand, Old Pal from mm -hmm. California? The Old Pal came into the market and they said, look, we are going to find 
a minimum threshold of quality. And we're going to hit that because we want to hit a certain maximum price point that people can afford. We don't believe in the $50 eight. We believe in the $25 eight, but we're going to make the quality just good enough to hit that. And then there's companies like Terraform Genetics, and they're doing four and a half gram eights for $50. You're paying premium for it. They're giving you a little extra. And the cannabis is, is premium, premium, premium. So will this be like the alcohol industry where you can go get, um, you know, Ice House beer or you can go get the $300 bottle of, of Don Julio uh, tequila? Is that is that, Are we going to stick with that range, do you think? That would be awesome. Yeah. I would love the such selection. I mean, you walk down the aisle now and there's 95 different types of ketchup. When I was a kid, we had like two, Hunts and Store Brand or something or Heinz. And now it's like, Sriracha catch, all this other stuff. So I could see there being uh, just so many, so many different levels of it. But yeah, breaking out into normal stratifications of uh, market segments. Yeah, my, 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 my twin brother, uh, Chef Eduardo Garcia, runs a company called Montana Mex. And they, they introduced a line of ketchup. And the competition was overwhelming. So they pivoted to an organic ketchup. Turns out there's not that many organic ketchups out there. But that leads to cannabis. Like, the people, consumers, I believe, I used to work for Whole Foods Market for many years. And what I saw was a huge trend towards uh, farm-to-table, sustainable, organic, quality. So as we go on, are people going to look on the shelf of cannabis? And if the price points are pretty close, are they going to choose the organic, all-natural, uh, uh, as opposed to the brands that they have no idea where it comes from? I think we also have to look at like the income, right? Like, so right now we're coming on recession. People don't have a lot of money. And as I've told, and I've said it before many times is, so if we required lab uh, testing on all cannabis, right? Like that's the regulation I believe should be the only regulation, right? All cannabis should just be tested. And then everything has results. Cause the point being is people who smoke cigarettes, people will smoke shitty weed. You know that they just want to know what's in it. So eventually we get to that uh, blase fair where we're just like, oh, I know what I want, but how much am I willing to pay for it? That's where it's going to, you know, we're, we're getting there. We just got, as a consumer, got to be more aware too. Uh, uh, today I smoked a one gram infused joint that we, with a group of people that we, we review it on. And I was like, you know what? This was a good joint. And I don't mind being a commercial for this company, but I'm going to tell you what, this is not good for medicine. Because it's too expensive. It's because it, of all the packaging and the shit involved. You know, it, cannabis is medicine, and it takes a lot of it sometimes to help us. And that's a great point. And, and right now, with the economy being so challenging, people have don't have access to take care of themselves. Tom, what's your take? When are we going to get a? Uh, when are we going to get a insurance company or an independent green insurance company to uh, subsidize cannabis uh, medical use? When are we going to be able to show our card and? Instead of paying $50 an eighth, we're paying five bucks. Uh, it's going to take a while. It's going to be a little bit simply because like that is it's technically money laundering. And so how much how is healthcare paid for in America and how much of healthcare is being paid by Uncle Sam? Uncle Sam won't contribute that subsidy for your green card, for your medical uh, card so that you can get. I mean, think about it. Generic regs. That would be awesome. What's my copay on generic reds? Ten bucks an eighth. All right. Here you go. That would be just the shit. Uh, but that might be five years away. And and uh, so, like, if Biden is in, and he's going to be, and they have really good administrative officials put in there, uh, and the liberalization happens, maybe the Safe Banking Act, 
But the Safe Banking Act would allow us to access financial, but still you're getting ripped on that IRC 280E hard uh, because it doesn't take out the, the cannabis from the Controlled Substances Act. And then, well, again, it, what we should do is kind of what New Jersey did, where you just you rescind this word marijuana at a federal level because it's just a, it's a definitional you yeah but you rescind it just because like that was our bad and then you redefine it as cannabis and you move it over to the department of agriculture or like the tobacco one the atf you know well that, that's why we named our our magazine you know cannabis now uh right. is because there was, a, there was there was so much marijuana in the culture which is mm. derogatory it was historically a derogatory term but we we view the cannabis uh, name as the holistic representation of not not just not just uh, THC, but also of hemp. You know, it all comes right. from the same yep. varietal. Yeah. In my my marketing for the the website, because you have to like tap into like the, the traffic and stuff. So I'll use like cannabis industry lawyer, uh, marijuana and hemp business lawyer. And so like y'all hit all three of them uh, because it, you're right. And then the marijuana term, if you're not going to use that, but you're going to use cannabis holistically, you still have to have something uh, that you refer to it as the other one. So I usually call it THC cannabis uh, when I'm talking, uh, because then that's a pretty good uh, you know, distinction without having to say marijuana. Sometimes I'll get lazy depending on what state they're in, because if that state still calls it marijuana, I'll just try to call it marijuana. Best to not confuse everybody. I love that you, you you try to make the uh, the magazine with a difference because of uh, uh, like the stigma. Uh, you just made me think of what Cashy Hyde because being you're from Montana and the medical purposes of it. Are you familiar with Cashy Hyde? Sounds familiar. Yeah, Cashy Hyde, his mom, dad, they're they're from Missoula, and uh, he was just oh yeah yeah, yeah 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 no, yeah, no yeah. we've got a story. It's been a few years though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, as I'm saying, I'm just saying the medicinal qualities, the difference of like there was this uprising at one time where all these kids and and the kids were being used to sway the conversation because it's like, look, it's freaking medicine. It's helping kids. And, and then you're like, holy shit, it's helping kids. And no. I don't know if you're there was just like we, we, multiple. Uh, I have a family yeah. member who suffered from severe eczema growing up. And he was one of the youngest card holders in the state. And, and the family would make salves and put it on his skin with, with, with THC. Sure. I, it just like, at the same time, there was also Charlotte's Web with the CBD. You know, like, there's a, my, yeah. And then my, my grandmother used to freaking use it for her uh, uh, arthritis. My, my great grandmother. Yeah, my grandmother used to yeah. use it for her arthritis, especially before 1942. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, but she put it in rubbing alcohol. Smoke it. I, I met a woman. I met a woman two years ago who was the president of the alumni association for uh, an Ivy League school. Okay, I met her at a charity event, and she uh, she was a, a, a former attorney and very as mainstream as it gets. But she had severe arthritis in her hands, severe. And you know how she treated it? A friend of hers who used hemp CBD oil for her her thoroughbred horses wow. gave her the oil. So she was using hemp. Wow. CBD oil on her hands that her friend used on her horses just because she had no idea about the industry. She was, people are still, we're, we're in our own bubble, right? This yeah. Yeah. Bubble. One of our guests like literally did not become a cannabis activist until she found out what the endocannabinoid system was. And this was only a couple of years ago. And I'm like, you only found out about the endocannabinoid system a couple of years ago. And you know, there's tens of millions of Americans that have no clue that it exists. No, I mean, Tom, we think, 
I don't want to speak for you, but I'll say generically, we think that this cannabis legalization, cannabis news, um, decriminalization, that everyone knows about it. But when you really scratch the surface and go outside the box, we are very, very early. It's the beginning of enlightenment. It's the beginning of breaking down the historical uh, fallacies. And we still have a long ways to go. We've come a long way, but we are still... You know, if this is an education, we're still just getting out of third grade and we have to go all the way get our PhDs. You know, along those lines of thinking, besides just the, in that tincture and that involvement, there's other things in there that we don't really consider, right? We're so <coughs> taken away into like this pharmaceutical world. We forget, oh shit, lavender, that smell can help do relaxation yeah. or say there's like spearmint or whatever stuff, how it affects our body. Yeah, the, uh, herbal, the herbal medley. Yeah. Kind of like a compounding pharmacist, right? Now, there's like pharmacy, they always think of just like one chemical, right? And then they give it some branding. So it's got this Sartuta name or whatever. Uh, and that's that's fine. But then with cannabis, it's not one chemical. It's hundreds of different chemicals. And it's an extract, a botanical type of extract that has numerous beneficial properties. And then you can dial it depending on what you're looking for based on its terpene and its bioflavonoid profiles. Yeah, I, I believe I believe cannabis and hemp is going to be a cornerstone for wellness in the future. What even if you can't handle the THC and it's too it's too intense, taking a micro dose maybe of THC and then piling on other cannabinoids and hemp oils and then bringing in the healthy eating, the exercise, the meditation, that's going to be the cornerstone for health and wellness. And in this day and age, when you know with 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 COVID nineteen. Um, and all the all the challenges around that. One of the best defenses that we have against COVID is, is being healthy, and that starts with 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 what you put in your body, what you put on your body. But guess what? How stressed you are. Mm-hmm. You take a little CBD or a little THC, lower your stress level. You'll have a much better chance of staying healthy. Totally. And just you know, back to the wellness thing in, in cannabis, and and, and and like you were saying, you know, as far as like spreading the news, right? Like. Part of like the champion that we do, besides like, hey, stop putting people in jail. Hey, uh, but this this should be the first option. This should be a first holistic option. Like, hey, my back hurts. I shouldn't be taking pills. I should try some ointment. Hey, my, I'm just sad. I'm having a f- bad day. I'm angry. Er, smoke a joint. Oh, maybe first instead of drinking. I don't know. There's other things. This should be my first option. And then if it doesn't make that need, maybe I can try a different strain. Or do the other thing that would be the done thing to do. Absolutely. Yep. It's a, it's a wonderful plant, but I think sometimes because I'm in it, like on a daily basis, like it's my job or something, um, <laughs> you get you get a little disconnected from the uh, person on the street mentality. And so that might be something we should do in the future. Just have like somebody uh, walk down the street and ask people, "What's your endocannabinoid system?" Get out of here, you know? It's just like like, like those uh, like those those TV shows where they say like what's the president of the United States or how many states yeah. are here in the US? Man on the street, like a man on the street poll, you know? And but, so yeah, that's for, that's the thing, you know. For that one though, man, it should not just be random people but doctors. Ask doctors and then see what they say. Yeah, there, there's a great company out there called Fresh Toast. I don't know if you guys know about it. It's in Seattle. Yeah, them on. We had, right, we had the Fresh Toast on. It's a publication. But yeah. they, and they're, they have a, a forward-facing media company, but mm-hmm. behind the scenes, they provide educational resources for doctors, and that's a very big part of their business. 
Uh, we we operated a CBD store down in Beverly Hills in Los Angeles um, oh, for, for the whole year until COVID hit. Um, and we were right next to one of the major Cedar sinai medical uh, groups. And doctors would recommend their patients come to our store and get CBD products. So the doctors, doctors are all about if it works, do it. The majority of doctors, um, they just want their patients to be healthy. And although they can't legally do certain things, a lot of them are like, hey, if, it, if it's working for you, do it. And go check out CBD because it might help you. Yeah, but then they're going to be saying, hey, go check out THC in a few more years. Uh, you know, because it's, it's just so silly. But thank goodness that the CBD was just sitting there waiting for those genes to really be expressed, you know, by the Stanley Brothers, like you mentioned, you know, only about 15 years ago. I mean, it's it's so fascinating how far we've come uh, in the 10 years since I've known Miggy and um, another 10 years. Geez, there could be a lot of weed in America. <laughs> I, I, hope, I, I hope so. I hope so. I mean, you know, yeah. you know, when you look at the alcohol, the, the alcohol and or alcoholic nature of the U.S., um, the health ramifications, the psychological ramifications of the alcohol industry. And I'm not, I'm not saying alcohol is a bad thing. I love a good beer. I'll drink a whiskey on the rocks at the end of a long day. But we're inundated by it in every single restaurant, in the grocery store. It is everywhere. And commercials. I, commercials. And, and, and I think that cannabis has a chance to be the healthy alternative to alcohol. I think and I, and that's that's when I, I'm giving people like an investor pitch that's going to be like five years out or so. It's always what I kind of say. It's like, look, these are the usage rates of these two substitute goods for one another. Yeah. And which one is the better PR campaign right now? By leaps and bounds, it's cannabis, you know? Right. And, and you and you can argue you can argue, hey, the tax revenue, the tax revenue. But I actually think that the health and wellness is the better is the better leader of that conversation. And, and I in looking at the trends, I actually believe that it's going to be beverages that take us to the final frontier because smoking is a challenging thing for a lot of people to uh, internalize. There's a, there's a strong perception of, of, of being unhealthy and smoking and eating chocolates and brownies and gummies is also very challenging. But beverages, we're, for 100 years, we've been drinking beverages that make us feel a certain way. So right. if we can get our formulas right for THC, I'll still be smoking a joint, but... I think that that's going to be the final frontier of making it an actual, you can go to a bar and be like, can I get the THC option, not the alcohol option? Yeah. And that's, that's one of the reasons why I grew this strain was because it was my nighttime weed and then it would create my nighttime trim, which then creates a glycerine tincture in a magic butter machine, which you then add to, yeah, which you then add to uh, bubbling water. And so at the end of the day, because we are such a drinking culture, I mean, like you're conditioned to, be consuming beverages. And so you can then substitute uh, out that beverage. So you might have a couple of beers and then you're like, nah, had enough of that rabbit hole, reaching for this one. And then you know, have a couple of those. And then uh, when I make my tincture, I kind of nerd out and I, I weigh it and stuff and assume things like a 10% THC ratio. And then I get it down to like the, the milliliter. Uh, and so like, I'm like, all right, I think this is about six, six milliliters. And I know my dosage. So like if I'm Dose is just tough. There's a lot of people who have gotten into cannabis and they overdose themselves and they won't be back for another 10 years. And making sure that you get the dosage right. That's one of the funny things about alcohol 
is it's hard to overdose on alcohol if you're new. Guess what? Because it doesn't taste great. For, for most people, a shot of vodka or a beer, it doesn't. it's an acquired taste. But if you go get yeah. a gummy that tastes like sugar and it's got 100 milligrams in it, like, oh, dear. Say goodbye for six hours. Oh, dear. Yeah. Do so you, you know, ate a whole bar of chocolate? Oh, no. You know? <laughs> but, you know, uh, it's like prohibition has caused, like, we're t- – society is thc deficient right like in a whole this prohibition thing has made us sicker besides like like you were saying as a safer option opposed to drinking and like one day when you can walk in a bar and get an infused drink but also the day i can freaking smoke on cam and not be freaking deleted you know or fucking social media like like harmless like dopa's yolo it's it's just a chubby mexican guy who just shares nice stories and smokes a lot of weed. It's all this fucking guy does. Like, well, what you know what it is? It's going to be the entrepreneurs that create the platforms, whether it's the news networks or the TV shows, and they're going to grow to a place where they're going to have, you know, they're not going to, they're going to grow their own channel and they're going to have 5 million active users. And then the big boys will make opportunities to acquire them. And those acquisitions will then change the policies. It's not, it's not good. But it's the way the world works, and it's up to the entrepreneurs to raise the capital and to create their own communities, which will get the message out there. Media plays a very, very critical role in all of this. Yeah, totally. It's one of the reasons why we made the podcast. Yeah. Good for you, Tom. And he, Neil, thank you so much for joining us today. Where can we go to find, follow, read what you guys got going on at Cannabis Now? Thank you. Um, the the hardworking team at Cannabis Now and Hemp Magazine, you can go to, they put together some great, great products. It's CannabisNow.com and it's Hemp.co. Awesome. Thanks again for coming on and thanks for tuning in, everyone. Make sure you like and subscribe to keep up with all cannabis legalization news. We'll see you on Sunday. Thanks, guys. Good holiday to you all.